Faint Praise Extra episode. Again, just a reminder, this is not the same as our normal Faint Praise episodes where Eric and I watch two similar bad movies and then talk about which one is better. This is just something I'm trying while we're not able to keep up the regular weekly schedule. And when we're together again in a couple months, then I will possibly discontinue this series or we'll see. We'll see how much you guys like it, how much I enjoy doing it, if Eric wants to join in, etc. But for the time being, again, these FPX series are more to focus on either more current movies that are in theaters or maybe movies that are probably too good to be featured on uh, an episode proper of Faint Praise, since I like to focus on what I assume are going to be bad movies there. And these ones I kind of go in assuming slash hoping they'll be good movies. So the one I chose this time is a movie that I, I have not heard much about. I think it's not a very popular movie called Hidden. I chose it because it is uh, made by the Duffer Brothers, who the Duffer Brothers are the ones who made Stranger Things. Stranger Things is one of my absolute favorite things to watch. It's a it's a series. It's not a movie, but it feels more like a movie. I think that's why I like it. I don't typically like shows all that much, but Stranger Things is a lot more cinematic, I guess, than your average TV show. So the Duffer Brothers have not done almost anything else. Hidden is basically the only other thing they've done. They've participated in writing some other series that was directed by other people, but Hidden is the only movie that they've done. And they did it only about a year before Stranger Things uh, hit Netflix. So I thought this might be good timing to revisit it and talk about it because the trailer for season two of Stranger Things recently was released. I'm I'm super excited. I, I don't see any reason why... I mean, I was going to say I don't see any reason why I wouldn't love it, but of course you got to watch it to say that. But I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I actually just rewatched season 1 of Stranger Things in preparation. I've watched it a few times now. I just I I love it so much. So hopefully they don't disappoint me with the second one. And in the meantime, I checked out their theatrical debut, which I don't think was even released in theaters, and I'm going to talk about it with you guys. It really must be a pretty small movie. I looked on Rotten Tomatoes and it doesn't, it only has three reviews, so it doesn't even have enough of a score, enough uh, reviews to have a real score. Otherwise, it's a similar theme it could have probably been a faint praise episode along with 10 Cloverfield Lane because both of them are about people stuck in like shelters after an un after an unknown apocalypse has occurred in some way and the inter- and the movies are more about the interactions between the characters than they are about the actual apocalypse itself uh, or the actual ev- apocalyptic event itself. Uh, So I don't know. I mean, I probably wouldn't have done an episode with those two anyway, even if Hidden had a Rotten Tomato score, because 10 Cloverfield Lane, I think, is in the 90%. It's way too good for a faint praise movie. Uh, So it probably wouldn't have been a fair matchup anyway. But as I'm talking about Hidden, I wouldn't be surprised if I also start bringing up 10 Cloverfield Lane to to just compare some of the things that the two movies did. And of course, I'm sure I'm going to talk about Stranger Things as well, just since it's same filmmakers, and that's the whole reason why I watched it and why I'm talking about it. So starting off, even though Eric's not here, and even though 
I'm not doing a formal comparison like I would in an episode proper. I'm still going to follow the same format that I do in a regular episode, which is I'll give a quick summary and then I'll do my little ratings in my four categories. So the summary of Hidden, I think it's a pretty easy one. It's just uh, there's a family of three, mother, father, and nine-year-old daughter, who we start off seeing that they're in some sort of underground shelter after, as I said, an unknown apocalypse has occurred above. And the first two-thirds of the movie are just uh, watching this family in the shelter. And it specifically takes place on the 301st day that they've been in this shelter. So they've been there almost a year. And the events of that day, there are a little bit of flashbacks showing you how they got in there or maybe hinting at what had happened that made them have to go in there. And then the last third of the movie is a reveal of what actually happened. I, again, like I did for Dunkirk, I'm going to try to stay away from spoilers. This is an older movie. It's a few years old. If you wanted to see it, you've had the chance to see it. I, like I said, I'll try to stay away from spoilers in case you do want to see it after I talk about it. If I decide that I just have to give it away in order to describe something, I'll give you fair warning. But otherwise, I'm going to keep the summary very short and vague because this is a movie that has a little bit of a twist and if you're interested in seeing it I wouldn't want to ruin that for you. So getting into the rating system which is there are four categories acting, visuals, structure, and entertainment value and I can give up to five points in each category. Starting off with acting, I did not feel very impressed with the acting in this movie. And I don't know if it was the actor's fault. Uh, I, I felt like definitely the characters were not characters I liked. I didn't like how they were written. They didn't feel real to me. That's not an acting issue. That's definitely a structure issue, which you've heard Eric and I argue about if, um, if you've listened to any other episodes of this. But it does make it difficult to rate the acting because you don't know if the people are just doing what they can with uh, bad source material or if they just weren't right for it. So I definitely include casting in my acting section because I think that casting is part of kind of an actor's skill. Some actors are so skilled it doesn't matter what role they're cast in. I think the ultimate one I always think of is Christopher Guest, who's basically a chameleon. You don't, you barely even know it's him from role to role. So that's one of his skills is as an actor, he could basically, basically be cast in anything from the, uh, from the six-fingered bad guy in Princess Bride uh, to backwater uh, hound dog show enthusiast in Best in Show, you just, you wouldn't know it was him. So that's one of his skills, which is why I put it in the acting section instead of the character, uh, instead of the structure section. So I, I think these actors were poorly cast in these roles. They didn't have what it takes to pull off uh, these characters. Uh, the main guy, Skarsgård, plays the dad and whenever he talks in the shelter I think he's like trying to keep his voice down and for some reason he sounds like Owen Wilson and I actually laughed out loud when he first started talking because he just had this weird nasally uh, I don't know it was just this goofy voice and he probably was trying to cover up an accent I've never watched him in anything else I think I saw him in Tarzan which 
barely counts. Um, but I, I don't know if he's good otherwise, if he usually has issues with accents. But this one, oh, his voice was just so weird. You close your eyes, it sounded like Owen Wilson. I couldn't take it seriously. The wife, I don't actually know her name. It's played by the same actress who was Tom Cruise's partner in Oblivion. And she just felt super out of place. I didn't remember it was her at first. And I thought her voice was a little bit weird too. So I think she was covering up an accent as well. She She's British in Oblivion. I'm pretty sure she is actually British. And she doesn't, it's tough to explain, but she doesn't look right. She and Alexander Skarsgård have no chemistry as husband and wife. Part of that, again, is uh, characterization. They wanted to show some strain between all of the characters, but I think more skilled actors with better chemistry could have shown an underlying loyalty and love that comes along with a strong marriage, even in a difficult situation of being stuck in this shelter for a year, which I totally understand. They're gonna, there's gonna be some tension, but they didn't pull it off. They weren't a good, they weren't a good couple. And the daughter, I hated this character. I could barely stand it. It was not the actress's fault. She was a perfectly decent child actress, sort of keeping in the expectation of a Duffer Brothers production where they found some good child actors in Stranger Things. Uh, yeah, they found a good child actor in this one, but the character was supposed to be nine years old. I have a feeling the girl was a little bit older than that, maybe 11, and the character acted like a four-year-old with an imaginary friend and a and a doll, like personification of a doll, and just just being horrendously annoying and get, you know getting them in dangerous situations and contributing to them getting found. It just it drove me crazy. Probably not fair to put it in the acting section, but the the girl they chose wasn't right for it because this should have been a younger a younger actress and a younger character if they wanted it to be a little bit more believable for it to have sort of messed. Things things up as much as it did. Uh, yeah, I, so I, yeah, I think she was a little bit too old and couldn't really do much with the role. So my acting score for this is actually a fairly standard faint praise too. Uh, I was expecting a little bit more out of a real movie, but I can't, I can't give it any more than that. So moving on to visuals. This, this movie has nothing to look at. Um, that kind of surprised me. I think having watched Stranger Things, I was kind of looking for some more interesting look of the movie, maybe some interesting character design like in Stranger Things, or Stranger Things is fun to watch because it's a 80s, early 80s period piece, and it actually looks really good for it. So I don't know, I was expecting more, and there just, there was nothing, there's not much to comment on visually in Hidden. Two-thirds of it takes place in an underground shelter. It's dark, it's dirty, you can't almost hardly see anything. I have to give it just a two and a half because there's nothing really to talk about. Once you do start seeing what is happening above ground, I thought it looked pretty silly. I was fairly unimpressed with it, but it didn't it didn't upset me too much. So yeah, again, kind of a standard faint praise two and a half for the visual section. And I'm going to have to move on without commenting on much more because that's that's not what this movie is about. It's not a it's not a visual experience. Even with hunky Alexander Skarsgård, eh, it, it, 
that wasn't the point of casting him. I kind of don't know what the point of casting him was because if you're not going to play on his looks, which I think is kind of the only thing that sets him apart from another actor, they could have chosen somebody who had better chemistry with the mom and didn't sound like Owen Wilson when he tried to talk with an American accent. Can't even award it points for that. A little bit disappointing. Uh, Moving on to structure. So... I was pretty disappointed with the structure of this movie. I've already talked about the characterization, which I thought was extremely weak. Two thirds of the movie is just focused on the interactions of this family of three. And although it's possible it might be kind of realistic, it's not enjoyable to watch. And I wish they had I wish they had made the characters different. They focused a lot on showing that the that the daughter was a big daddy's girl and that the Mom was really only there to have this certain set of rules. Rule number one, you'd never go above ground. Rule number two, you keep your emotions in check. And that she's constantly yelling at the daughter about these rules. And the daughter kind of hates her for it. And she's always trying to get the daughter to eat more healthy food because they're in a shelter. So they're eating all canned food. And the little girl just wants to eat peaches all the time. And the mom's trying to make her eat beans and other healthy stuff. And Everything that the mom tries to get the daughter to do, the dad undermines. He's always sort of, he's he's the nice, it's good cop, bad cop, and he's good cop. And the daughter loves him for it. And although that might be a realistic family dynamic, it's not enjoyable to watch. It's frustrating to watch. And the mom is usually right. So especially watching this woman try to like, keep this family going in this shelter and the dad's kind of uh sort of letting the girl do what she wants and undermining the mom a little bit i I thought something was going to come of that and nothing came of that so really they just made me watch that for no reason and i felt it was very frustrating because it didn't even end up playing into the story i thought for sure it was going to have some sort of effect on the outcome but it didn't so all it did was made me frustrated with this dad and built up that the daughter had more of an affection for the dad than the mom. So that's why I did not particularly care for the characterization. And the dialogue was pretty bad. In movies, they always say characters' names a lot more than in real life. You would ever look at somebody and say their name to them. I understand that. I'm willing to forgive it. But this movie takes that to the extreme. The daughter's name is Zoe, and the mom calls her Zozo, which as the daughter says over and over, is a baby name and she hates it and she wants her mom to stop calling her this name. I am I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say every line of dialogue the mom has either starts or ends with her saying Zozo. She either is looking at the doctor and say the daughter and saying, Zozo, do XYZ. Or she's talking to the husband and she's talking about the daughter in the end has to say Zozo. It drove me bonkers while I was watching it. It was horrible. I I get it, movie. The daughter's name is Zoe and the mom calls her Zozo and the daughter doesn't like it. They didn't need to set that up more than a couple, maybe three times throughout the movie to remind me that this was the daughter's name. I thought for sure this was going to play some kind of part in the outcome of the movie. It didn't. 
all that happened was the mom just over and over, Zozo, 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 Zozo. And then the little girl, I don't like being called that. It's a baby name. Call me Zoe. Okay. All right. Great. And absolutely nothing came of it. It was just extremely poor dialogue. And it's not like the parents said each other's names a lot. I don't even know what these two characters' names were. I only know the little girl's name because the mom would not shut the fuck up about saying it. So that that took me out of the movie every time she said Zozo. It took me out of the movie. So that was so that was dialogue, pretty bad. The story itself was very weak. The payoff for it, the twist was pretty lame. And this is a movie that So for the first two thirds of this movie, you as the audience do not know what catastrophic event has occurred above ground that made this family have to stay in this shelter. They do flashbacks every once in a while, but otherwise the whole third act is about finding this out. The issue with this is that the characters do know the event that has occurred. So you as the audience are the only one who is in the dark. And it feels very manipulative because it's very much the movie is trying to fool you and is withholding information from you. Uh, This is where I knew I was going to talk about 10 Cloverfield Lane a little bit because 10 Cloverfield Lane also is a movie where three characters are in a bomb shelter and you as the audience don't know what has occurred above ground. But it's much more natural and less frustrating because the one of the characters also does not know what happened above ground. So you and the main character are experiencing this confusion together and it feels much more natural and it does not feel like you as the audience are just being manipulated. In Hidden, all of the characters know what happened and they have to hide it by using silly terms that they came up with to describe some creatures that are above ground. They call them breathers. You don't know what the breathers are, and but they know what the breathers are. So it's, it's one of the mom's rules. We don't talk about the breathers. So it's extremely contrived that someone who is looking in on this family would not know what happened because the family knows exactly what happened. So it is unnatural in the movie for you as the audience to not understand the situation. And especially in the third act reveal, once you find out what happened, it's pretty silly what they've done. And it it's not a good payoff. I think I am going to be able to get away with not giving any spoilers. So I'm going to stick with my no spoilers. I'm not going to say what it is, but there was at least one laugh out loud moment uh, in the third act after the big reveal that involved the daughter and a way that she was able to save one of her parents, which that makes two laugh out loud moments while I was watching this serious movie alone. That should not have been the case. This should not, this movie was not intended to be comical at all. And it should have, and I was expecting it to be a better movie than one that was going to make me laugh with, uh, you know, Alexander Skarsgård's Owen Wilson impression. And then the little annoying daughter turning into a hero in a very comical way. So I am giving it a fairly low structure score as well. Again, faint praise standard 2.0. Moving on to entertainment. I think looking at my scores, you're not going to be surprised to hear that I really was not entertained while watching this movie. 
Uh, I have to give it a one and a half. I don't know that I would have finished it if I wasn't watching it for uh, for an episode specifically. I wasn't enjoying it while it was going on. The first two thirds I found pretty boring and frustrating simultaneously. And then when the big reveal came around, I thought it was pretty goofy and contrived, and it was not it was not a good payoff for sitting through the boring first two thirds. I was extremely disappointed by this. I didn't necessarily have high expectations. I definitely was curious to see what what a debut effort by the Duffer Brothers looked like, and I was interested to see what I'd be able to pick out that reminded me of Stranger Things. And something that surprised me a lot was that nothing reminded me of Stranger Things. I was really struck by the lack of similarity between the two efforts, especially since there's only a year in between, in between Hidden and Stranger Things. So I would have expected that I would have been able to pick out, you know, themes or writing styles or visual styles or anything like that. And I really, I really couldn't find almost anything besides the fact that maybe they liked, they liked including a child as one of the main characters in a very dangerous adult situation. They did a much better job with Stranger Things. They actually made the children feel realistic and they were not frustrating. They were... I would say it's funny that I talked so much with Hidden about how poorly the characters were written because in Stranger Things, I think that's that's actually one of the things I love most about it is fantastically written characters. It's kind of the opposite of Hidden where Hidden might have decent actors in poorly written characters. I think that Stranger Things has fantastic characters portrayed by sometimes not so great acting jobs, but it doesn't matter because the characters are so great And the casting was well done that even what might not be a great actor can do a really a great job with a solidly written character. I think specifically in Stranger Things, Jonathan Byers, played by Charlie Heaton, that that guy might not be very good. I don't know. I haven't seen him in anything else, but he's perfectly cast in it. But I'm I'm looking at him going, eh, I don't know that this is actually a very skilled actor. He can barely cover up his ac- his British accent. He he talks pretty funny in Stranger Things. But that's a it's a it's a really well-written character and he fits in it very well. So they did an awesome job with it. I also am pretty bothered by Winona Ryder whenever I watch Stranger Things. I think she is way overplaying the frantic, frazzled, panicky mother character. I'm sure that's what they wanted, but she's just, she's all hunched over and she annoys me, but it's a good character and she's, she's still right in the role. I wish she would have toned it down a little bit because whenever I see it, I do just kind of see Winona Ryder playing a part. I don't really feel, I don't, I don't feel much. I I don't, it, it takes me a little bit out of it but that's fine. It's It still fits in it. It doesn't bother me. And then it does have some truly great actors. I think David Harbour does a fantastic job as the sheriff. Matthew Modine is awesome as the scientist father figure for Eleven. A lot of good child acting. I have to say, people talk about the child acting in Stranger Things. I'm not crazy about the main ringleader for the kids, uh, Mike Wheeler, played by Finn. Oh, is it Wolfhard or Wolf? some Wolfhard I think I he's such an actory actor he's such a he seems very drama kid theatrical as he's playing the role he's fine but 
It's funny. He reminds me of, uh, if you've watched The Sixth Sense recently, the frenemy of the main Haley Joel Osment character, this kid called Tommy Tomasino, who's kind of a bully and he's an actor kid and he's really, he's really stuck up about it. And he's talking about having a trailer for his, uh, for his big commercial part. And the way that Tommy Tomasimo acts in The Sixth Sense reminds me of Mike Wheeler in Stranger Things. So I don't know, maybe it's an unfair thing to say that he doesn't seem that good. I think time will tell. I'm probably going to end up seeing it. I know that that kid is in that. And I'll be interested to see what his, where his career goes after this. But he just seems, he seems so actory. He does not, he's not a natural. The, the other kids I think are better. Uh, he kind of... He kind of takes me out of it. He's kind of like a Winona Ryder to me where I look and go, okay, okay, you can tone this down just a little bit. But all in all, it's amazing to see how much more improvement there was with the filmmaking ability of the Duffer brothers in, you know, choosing actors for their roles in writing their characters in coming up with an amazing story that keeps you that that keeps you invested the whole time as opposed to hidden that I was just like, get on with it. Oh, my God. And then when there was the payoff, I just was like, why did I watch this whole thing? Um so I, it's, it's very interesting. And I would say it makes me a little nervous for season two because I'm like, oh, what if they go back to their, to their hidden ways? But they've already built so much up in season one that even if season two does not live up to the expectations of season one, Stranger Things, I think it's still going to be better than hidden was. So just to, just to wrap this up, to total up the points that I gave hidden, Uh, I gave it two for acting, two and a half for visuals, two for structure, and one and a half for entertainment for an overall total of eight. That is not a great score. That's, there have been plenty of movies that we've watched for the uh, regular episodes of Faint Praise that got that score or higher. I mean, one of the ones I'm looking at right now is Lucy got an eight and a half. And I would say I would sooner watch Lucy than Hidden. Um, than hidden again. I I would certainly sooner watch something like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I I legitimately enjoyed that movie. So hidden is really not. It's it's not so good. Uh, but I guess maybe that shouldn't surprise me as much as it did because nobody's seen this movie. I guess maybe if it was good, I would have heard more about people who sought it out like I did just because of who made it. And then maybe maybe recommending it. But at this point, as far as recommendations are concerned, I'm not sure that I would recommend this. If you're really curious, sure, go ahead, check it out. You will probably be disappointed like I was. If you happen to be an enthusiast of a, that particular genre, the people stuck in a shelter post-apocalyptic Thing, I'd certainly go watch 10 Cloverfield Lane. Much, much better movie. Legitimately good movie. And then if you still have time left over, I guess check this one out. It's it's not, it's it's pretty mediocre. So yeah, that's my official, that's my official synopsis of it. It's, or that's my official stance on it. It's pretty mediocre. So I think that's gonna wrap up another episode of faint praise extra. Again, I thought I was going to be able to keep this one pretty short, but I'm <laughs> I'm still in the 30 minute range, so I guess I'm just a talkative person, guys. Uh, 
Maybe future ones I'll try to keep a little bit shorter. I don't know. We'll see. I might not have too many more of these that I end up doing, but definitely next week uh, we I have an I have a an episode proper to release for you with me and Eric. So it's not just you listening to me complain about a movie I didn't like. You can listen to both of us complain about movies we didn't like. Hooray! Thank you guys for listening. If you want to get in contact with us, faintpraisepodcast at gmail.com is the email address. And hopefully you will join us next week. Thank you.